What do we do? A podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning. Hosted by the founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Steffen. Alongside radio personality, Kyle Bogey. Welcome in to episode two of the What Do We Do podcast here, powered by Great Lakes Wealth. I am, of course, Kyle Bogey. We are on site, as always, here at Great Lakes Wealth, and I am joined by the CEO, Mr. Dewey Steffen, who you learned a heck of a lot about uh, in episode one, and I'm sure we're going to uncover even more layers of, of Dewey here moving forward. But the financial expert, the guy that we're going to lean on for advice, uh, for I- investment opportunities, you know, your financial decisions that make or break uh, you know, what you're going to be doing moving forward and what your future may hold. So uh, a lot to do here moving forward. Now, on episode one, we really kind of covered, you know, everything that went on with the pandemic and it coming out of nowhere and, you know, hindering the market and all that. So today we really want to focus on the market as it stands currently and what it could potentially look like through the summer, the fall, and then on into 2021. But Dewey, we got to start with something very important, okay? First now, of all, can I say hello yes, to hi. listeners? This is a two-person <laughs> podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here along Kyle Bogey, but... Um, we're going to make it happen in episode two. But with that, please, let's get started in the beginning there, Bogey. Greetings and salutations. I love <laughs> it. Um, new father for me. So I have some serious uh, you know, questions, I guess, coming up. But first things first, a new dad. I know you're a parent as well. Uh, some things to avoid, some things to make sure that I'm taking care of. What, what would you say? A heartfelt congratulations, <laughs> by you. the way. That's fantastic. May twenty. 2020. Is that correct? That is, yeah. Beautiful baby girl. You should be excited and ecstatic. Um, and that's fantastic. So a heartfelt congrats for sure. And then on top of it, I have one suggestion out of the gate, okay? And as the two parents are raising the baby from get-go, there's two strategies to deploy, and you can pick one or the other, and I'll tell you which one you should do. Sleeping at night. That baby needs to eat every few hours. So you either tackle it where you do one shift on, one shift off, and that way everyone's getting up every three hours, four hours to feed this baby. You follow me? Oh, yeah. That's option one. Don't do that. (laughs) Option number two is someone picks that night and is up all night for all the shifts. And the other parent gets to sleep and try their best to get that whole six to eight hours of sleep, okay? Does that make some sense? 100%. Okay, so which one are you using if you're using one of them? And um, hopefully you're using option B. It's been a little bit of both. You know, the baby has kind of dictated it uh, a little bit because one of us will sleep through, you know, some of the cries and the uh, the bellows for for more formula or whatever. But um, the last several weeks, it, it really has been... One night on, one night off, or one day. Like, say, say I want to go golfing, right? I'm a big-time golfer. Okay, well, before I go golfing, I'm going to watch the baby, you know, by myself. You go do what you want to do, hang out with friends, you know, spend some time for yourself. So there's been a good balance. Okay. There really has. So Good. Well, good. And keep that up, but... Back to nighttime. Forget the golf. Forget <laughs> doing the laundry in the afternoon. I'm talking about at nighttime. You just pick one of you that's going to go to bed at 10 o'clock and is not going to be disturbed until 8 a.m. And the other one is going to be on duty, baby duty, all night long. I and love that. What What is your stance on the daytime nap? If the baby is napping during the day and you have the ability to do so. I mean, I work from home primarily. Uh, she's obviously on maternity leave. 
the the power of the nap during the day with the baby. Big time. Yeah. Big time. And um, yes, unofficially, from a non-safety uh, perspective, most men have the strategy of lay on a couch and have the baby lay on your <laughs> chest and put some cushions on the floor in case you both roll over onto the floor. So I'm not going to encourage that type <laughs> of nap. But um, if you see some photos when I was a new father, they're definitely there. So uh, be a little bit more safe than that with your child. But absolutely, when baby naps, mommy naps, and when baby naps, daddy naps. Well, it's funny the timing of, of all of this. And again, please, this is the, the What Do We Do podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, share, download, rate, you know, all of it, please. Uh, we encourage you to do that. But the timing of this is very interesting because I need to be more careful about what I do with my finances. I, I need to be thinking about little Blake's future and you know what you know she's going to be uh you know wanting to do eventually and going to college and you see various you know companies out there you know telling you to invest and you know make sure that you're saving i guess what would your your biggest piece of advice be for you know new time parent and starting to think about boy uh, i i got to figure out what i'm going to do about saving for college yeah so um two strategies there one is before you actually start planning your child's education, you need to be planning for your retirement. Okay, so back to the basics of investing, you absolutely need to put Blake on the back burner. <laughs> I know you're beautiful, Blake. You're the star of the show. We got it. But your college, she's probably going to be a you know a professional golfer. She'll go to uh, university on a golf scholarship, be great. probably right. But anyway, so on a serious note, a lot of investors, a lot of families, they really they do they focus on the child's education before they focus on their own retirement. So you got to put them in the right order. So that would be number one, focus on yourself first. It's not being selfish, it's being appropriate. Number two, I found this was a great strategy with my children is you do set up early on a 529 plan for them, which is a college or educational savings account, if you will. And what you do then is you give you know a notice that a coupon book, if you will, to any of your family members that would otherwise be giving um, birthday gifts of stuffed animals or books or toys, your daughter is going to outgrow these toys so fast. And there's only so many stuffed animals that she can play with. And so truly, you definitely don't want to be the curmudgeon parent that everything's about money and there's no you know, fun in in you know in bogey land. But at the <laughs> same time, you really can tell these um, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever, hey, you know, if you really want to contribute um, towards Blake's future, here's, um, I mean, we have an account set up, XYZ, and for as little as $25, you can contribute. So that's the way you guys' birthdays come around. 25 here, 25 there, you'll slowly be getting something built up for Blake um, in, in a 529 plan. And that's a great start specific to that. How specific, how specifically does that work? The five two nine plan is there some sort of benefit, you know, clearly to, to be able to grow that? So yes. So each state has a state five twenty nine plan, and then mutual fund companies that are national have plans that you can get into, kind of, um, you know, wherever you're at, or if there's a mutual fund company that you'd prefer to work with. But in the state you're in, you may be eligible to actually deduct some of the contributions that go into that for the child. It's state specific, um, so you really want to use a state plan that if there is the state deduction for those contributions, number one. And then the cool thing is with the 529 plan, the parent or the adult or the person of majority owns it, but it has a beneficiary, which would be the child. So some families are worried if they 
put money into an account for a child, it's the child's money. And if this thing grows to 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, now all of a sudden there's a child who's got to be responsible for this large sum. The 529 specifically handles that challenge, which is um, it's the um, owner's money, i.e. the parent or the uh, person of majority, and then the beneficiary is the child. So that if then the child goes to college and uses those funds, and it can actually be used prior to college now, those funds can be withdrawn without any taxes due on the gains. So that's the benefit there. It's tax-free uh, growth, just like your 401k, if it was in a Roth 401k, would be. So that can be that compounded investing without tax can be very substantial. If you need the money back, a hardship, the child gets that golf scholarship. And so <laughs> what are you going to do with the money? You can always take it back out and use it, and you just have to pay um, some taxes and some penalties, but it's a great tool for a lot of families with a child or two. I love this. You already see big things for uh, for little Blake. A scholarship. Yes. That would be fantastic yes. for dad. We'll start with the scholarship, <laughs> and then when she turns pro, we'll support that efforts and we'll um, whatever it takes to get our logo on her bag. You know, we'll sponsor her. We'll sponsor her on the LPGA tour. How about that? That sounds like a great plan. All right. Uh, well, obviously, uh, the market is slowly but surely rebounding. You know, I know on episode one, we, we really kind of touched on uh, that the market had been going up for, for basically 60 straight days. You know, that was, a, you know, according to, to what we've kind of been witnessing here. So as we transition to the summer and as the, the pandemic slowly but surely starts to continue to, you know, slide down, do you envision things staying strong, I guess, through the summer? Do you envision a little bit more of a dip over the next couple of months? I guess, what what is your outlook on what you're going to see the next few months here? It's cloudy at best. You can take some research and then you can opine one of two scenarios. Historically, in Wall Street jargon, there's a phrase of sell in May and go away and come back after Labor Day. And that's because no matter what the environment you're in, the stock market tends to not do well between May and October. So in the normal course of investing, if you were trying to time the market or take advantage of the seasonality, you would be looking at this as, okay, it's another time to sell in May and go away as we are now entering June. The other on top of that for this year is, again, we do have a stock market that has rallied violently from the cataclysmic collapse of uh, two months ago. So maybe it's overvalued in the short term. Maybe it needs to come down just because of the realities of the um, economic malaise we may be still dealing with. So all that to say, you also have some positive data points that we are coming out of these state um, closures and we are coming back online as a country. And so you may have a situation where, no, these stocks are just going to continue to move higher as we go through the summer into this election cycle, which also is very uh, powerful for um, investments uh, and stocks. So it's it's a little bit of you've got to kind of decide. And we take it by a um, industry by industry, and then we take it by stock by stock. And so we can dive into it. I'm looking forward to it. Can you say the phrase for me one more time? The- Sell in May and go away and come back after Labor Day. I absolutely love it, the way that you delivered as well. Now, why why is that? Like, where, where did that, uh, that, that phrase potentially come from? 
So seasonal investing has been around a long time. So some um, some firm somewhere did research and it's been done over and over and over. And it's a strategy that a lot of professionals use because historically from May until October, the market basically is flat over the last hundred years, counting every summertime uh, period. Might even be negative uh, depending on what year you started doing your uh, your bet your your you know your review of it. So that to say, we kind of use more layman's terms when we talk about it here, which is, you know, in the summertime, everyone just wants to enjoy life. You want a vacation with your children that are out of school, the Grand Canyon, um, travel to Europe, you know, in a post-COVID world. You might just be local and hitting the, you know, the the local swim club, uh, the pool in your neighborhood. You're just, the parents are going to take a half of a day and enjoy that time with their families. And that's going to happen at least as a country, but more like a glo- globally, right? So you just have less economic output and less uh, work because there's more vacation and the rest of it. And then we kind of tongue in cheek say, okay, everyone gets back to uh, Labor Day. The children get back in school. And then the parents are like, oh man, we got all these bills from the summer. <laughs> we got to get them paid. So get that second job or stay late and try to uh, you know get some overtime. If you're in commissions, got to get those commissions. So everyone cranks it up so they can get to Christmas or the holidays because now we got to suddenly you know make sure that um, it's a blessing for all as we get through those holidays. So it just, again, it's more of a behavioral thing. Uh-huh. And um, again, you can get into the, to the weeds with the economic variables that are there, but certainly been documented. So that's most years. But this year specifically, you know, with the pandemic hitting a couple of months ago, things kind of, you know, took the the dip a little bit earlier than, than I guess would normally be expected in, you know, those summer months. Is this year going to look a little bit different than most of those years? So that's a great question. So um, our firm's approach was that with the drop in March, our initial thought was that the market would stay down. And it would stay down until we got to the summer. And then the data would be developed or would be reviewed and analyzed and show us where there would be pockets of strength. And so our initial evaluation of all that's happened was we would be down at whatever level we were at until we got into June or July. And then we would recognize that States are coming back online. It wasn't as you know permanently destructive as it was appeared to be, and so we would have a very exciting and a very robust full maybe middle to end of the summer. And it might have been that tale of two cities early summer, you know May and June versus the rest. Well, guess what? The stock market decided to do a V-shaped recovery at this point and has gone straight up from that bottom. And so we would probably now be in that camp that, yes, people are going to be just counting their blessings that they don't just have half of their account. They might even have 80% of it back, maybe 90% of it back because of this recovery. So they may now be taking a deep breath and realizing, okay, now I'm going to actually just go enjoy my summer because I've been locked down. I have not been able to enjoy anything. And, um, I want to celebrate while there's warm weather and seasonality. So what would you say to people who, you know, are thinking about that and they're going, well, maybe I should sell, you know, a little bit, you know, now, if it's going to go back down, sell right now, and then maybe I can get back in, you know, once, uh, you know, things are a little bit lower. Is that something that would be wise to think about, you know, later this summer, this fall? 
So, or does it, it depend? It depends yeah. so much on your portfolio and your plan and what it is we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. We, rec- we recommend that people don't try to time the market and get in and get out and this and that and the other. You absolutely should be rebalancing. And this goes back to just a major theme that we have here that um, most say it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. We've said that before. But I believe when you are rebalancing and you're doing things, you're really technically timing because you're selling something to buy something else. So we believe that you always need to be rebalancing, but we don't want to call it timing. So as we've said, cliches are very important around here. So, you know, a <laughs> uh, bird in the hand versus two in the bush. If you've had an investment that's worked out, you just need to decide if you should take some of those profits off the table. If you want to let it ride, you should at least have a very good strategy or a disciplined approach that you're following. So discipline is number one around here. And then besides that, yes, if something's um, gone up more than maybe it should have, then maybe take a chip or two off the table. And if there is something that that's say is up right now, up 30%, 40%, whatever it might be. And you have people coming to you going, Dewey, I got to get involved in this. Is that something where you'll essentially wait or try to hold that person back and go, things are going to come back down. That's when you're going to want to buy. Is that kind of timing as important as anything with investing? So not really. So you have to always be involved to some degree, right? Uh So when we say our number one tip to be a successful investor is to start now. So whether we think the market's going to drop 10% from here, when we may be dead wrong, it may very much go up 10% more from here and get back close to, if not the highs of, um, you know, early this year, then you need to have something in. So whether it's what we would call a starter position, right? You don't have to put all your chips in at any one time and you really never should anyway. So absolutely start now and put something in. There are probably some investments that are undervalued relative to other investments. So you need to find a professional to help you. You need to find a certified financial planner. You need to find a registered investment advisor. You need to find a professional to help you navigate and make sure that you get started on the right foot and then you continue down the right path. So you need to find Dewey Steffen is, is really essentially what you're saying, right? Well, we don't want to be an advertisement here at all. That's not what this is about. But we are um, very much um, belie- uh, believers in our community. So between now and the end of June, for uh, thanks for mentioning that bogey between now and the end of June, any new clients that come on board or any of our existing clients, we are offering our services, our um, management of assets for zero fees, for no fees, for up to one year, depending on the circumstances. So we truly believe that we want to help and we'll do it um, by putting another cliche, our money where our mouth is. And so we want to help our community um, to not just survive but thrive. And it's not just words. You know, I, I see on the Great Lakes Wealth social media all the time, uh, you know, Dewey's at this restaurant supporting that local business and you're, you know, donating to this local business and doing all that. So, you know, you really are all over the place and involved in the community, which, which again, that, that speaks, you know, to uh, what you guys do and what you're trying to accomplish as well. As far as specifics, you know, maybe this summer and moving forward, are there any, any investment opportunities that you think are going to give you some short-term you know, growth maybe before the fall? Do you think that there's some that are more longer-term plays? Like, I guess, how do you go about determining what could bounce back quicker than, than others? 
So I want to say that's a fool's errand, right? That's a fool's game because it's, it's, again, that's back to timing and trading and those sort of things. We definitely have themes. We have the now theme, the next theme, and the later theme. So we definitely understand what investments have done well or are poised to do well based upon the states being closed and the whole work from home situation that we've been you know, involved in in the last two to three months. We also know that these states are going to be opening up in the next 30 days, give or take, if they haven't already. And so that's what's next. And so there is that short term of who's going to get the bump in their revenues and who's going to be the beneficiary of the next. And then there's the later. And that is dependent upon, as we talked about before, Bogey, if this virus comes back you know, in an aggressive nature in the fall, or if a vaccine is found or whatever the you know, that whatever the future holds, that's going to be investing for later. And there are some major later themes that are there regardless. So we really want to look at the later, but in the short term, we're actually, um, you know, taking a pause on the investments that might've been the now. And we're, you know, looking at the ones that are the next, but we're really focused on these ones that'll be the later multi-year themes uh, for the future. I guess, depending on, you know, if there is that, that second wave this winter, depending on what, you know, it ends up happening. And if the experts, you know, end up being right about that, if there is something like that that goes on, I guess that's just more of an example of don't don't look at your account all the time. Know that it's a long play. Be patient. Is that something that you're kind of, I, I guess, directing towards your clients? We don't tell anyone to not look at their account. <laughs> we understand the philosophy there that it's yeah. long term and that you don't need to be, you know... Um, reminded that it's down or that sort of thing. But absolutely, you got to be active, not passive. And to just bury your head in the sand and not deal is not necessarily appropriate. We understand the concept, but in the reality is you want to see what's, um, you know, where you are and where you're going all the time. That doesn't mean looking at it every hour on your phone or whatever the case is, but know what you have and what your, again, your plan is, what your objective is. Um, With that, we're a glass half full organization and I'm a optimist, you know, down and true. But um, with that, you have a tale of two cities. Frankly, you have millions of people each week that are going to school parking lots because they need lunches. They need food. There's a huge need to feed our communities that don't have the resources right now to be fed. You have another class, another you know, individual or family that has saved, they're in a position where they have these resources still, and they're in lines too right now, but they're in lines to go get dinner at a fancy restaurant in a state that's just now opened their doors. So you have two lines of people in America, lines that need all the help they can get and ones that just want to get back the way it used to be. Those are both concerning to me and concerning to us as a firm to what that means long term. So we're really paying attention to that. But if this virus comes back and people don't get put back to work, there's a lot of uh, you know financial gurus, if you will, that say that that's very, very possible. I'm not going to say it's very possible, but I understand the you know I understand the evaluation of that. We go the other way. We go the other way that uh, America has always survived and then ends up thriving. We will find not only a vaccine, we'll find a way to have our brothers and sisters in America um, do well and, uh, um, 
we're excited for that. How much of an impact is it, you know, with, with small businesses? They, you know, there's, you know, some models out there that say a certain percentage of small businesses aren't going to, you know, reopen their doors after, you know, everything that has transpired. We've talked about restaurants reopening and maybe being at 30%, 40%, 50%, you know, capacity. So still doing okay, but not necessarily all the way back to just, you know, full-fledged going. How much of an impact would that potentially have on the market? So, yes. So depending on those companies and the scope and, you know, and the reality of those numbers, absolutely. If the stock market is a forecasting mechanism of future economic prosperity and you're only going at 50%, well, then the stock market should, right in theory, be 50% of its full value. There are companies and industries that are thriving right now, right, through the stay-at-home, whether you're streaming videos, whether you're playing video games, whether you're using your home office and the technology that goes with that. Uh, Some companies are at all-time highs because their usage numbers have never been more. That's what people did when they were at home. You'll have other ones that are going to be used more than ever as we get out of, um, you know, this uh, quarantine. So, as a you know economy, we'll have to see how fast it comes back. Does there need to be almost a a sense of pause? You know, we've talked about how how you know the rebound has been great the last sixty days, but not to necessarily get fooled by that. That you know what, there probably is going to be another dip. And you know, we talked about highs and lows, and not getting too high when things are going well, and not getting too low. You know, within that, I, I guess, can most people expect that it's it's going to be an ebb and flow up and down kind of deal for at least almost another calendar year until we, we know exactly what happens. I would say that's uh, the base case or more than the, the, you know, reality of where we're going to be. You can call it a, a saw, just like the teeth on a saw. You can call it alligator teeth. It's going to be an EKG that goes up and down. It's all going to be dependent upon you know, the data that comes out. And that's where as a professional investor and an advisory firm, when you don't know what the future holds, you can make assumptions and have a, you know, have a outcome that you hope happens or that you believe you've done the work on. But there are so many uncertainties right now. What could the government do to help us if things get out of control and we have some negative data points? There is a lot more that the Fed says that they can do to help uh, the situation. They said they're on standby, ready to as needed. That's a huge, that's a huge uh, commitment that the market's fully aware of. And that's probably why the markets have rebounded the way that they have. But that to say, if you don't know, you know, be, be cautious and be responsible. Have you seen anything like, you know, the day to day in all of this, the last couple of months where one negative story or one positive story can just directly impact what the market is doing on any given day. I, I find it remarkable on a Monday, things could look great. And then there's a bad story and Tuesday, all of a sudden things aren't looking so great. I, I guess maybe I'm paying more attention to it now because of what's going on, but I've never seen it like this. I, I'd be curious if you have. It's always like this. Yeah. It's, since the beginning of time, you just, you know, you're a young man, uh, Bogey. You're a young man that just <laughs> doesn't know the history of, uh, you know, the markets. But through all of time, the stock market in the short term is a voting machine. It goes off of headlines. Every day, the headline rules the day. But long term, it's an investing vehicle for predicting the economic output of you know the country, if you will. All right. That'll do it. I think we covered a little bit of everything. Some great parenting advice, saving for the, uh, the kids' college fund, and of course, uh, what the market's going to look like here in the summer and on into the fall and in 2021. Uh, again, please subscribe. 
download, like, rate, all of it. The What Do We Do podcast, you can find it on Spotify and Apple. Uh, So much more to come. We're just getting started. The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please Seek advice from a licensed professional.